This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. Welcome to a very special Jersey Shore edition of Front Office Features, where I am doing my first interview, as I promised this would be, with my longtime best friend, best man, brother from another mother, director of sales and service, which is probably the first title I should have started with, Brian Specia. Welcome, Brian. Good to be here. Good to be home. Uh, crazy flight coming in from Florida. Uh, recently moved back to Florida and uh, you know had to fly home for Christmas after a few years of not having to do that. And uh, my flight was incredibly nuts. And two hours out of two and a half hours was crazy turbulence. But we landed and we're back in Shark River Hills. So we are f- recording this from where 37-year-old Italian men should be is the basement of my parents. Uh, It all comes full circle. (laughs) Good thing for my parents, I don't live here anymore. Um, And I've found my way out. But as a 37-year-old Italian man, we are back in the basement where we spent our childhood playing NHL 95. I think you mentioned Command & Conquer. Don't don't forget the Command & Conquer while on the phone with other houses. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I like to credit us, maybe a small portion of us with the online gameplay that's in the esports world now. So, um, yeah, be on we, the phone. we had dial up. Right. So we were we would be on the Internet and then my mom or someone's parents would pick up the phone and they'd talk and they'd come to the computer speakers and you'd be yelling up to your parents like, get off the phone. I'm trying to play and kill people with Command yeah, & Conquer. Trying to blow up galaxies and different worlds most kids nowadays have no idea what we're talking about when we say dial up but we had minutes for aol and prodigy and you had to try and we used to i'd say steal in quotation marks trying to get on the internet because that's how you could get on because it was pay per minute and you had a certain amount of time to use and when you got that disc in the mail you're like oh good 50 more minutes of aol (laughs) i was just gonna say remember getting the disc in the mail and being like oh my god i can go online now and not have to worry about using my minutes and charging my parents phone line and all this stuff i mean there probably isn't a company who screwed up more? They, they had the internet, right? AOL made I the know. internet and they just lost it. They had all those users and nothing. They just kind of, like they're, they're nothing now. They got bought 15 times over and they just kind of failed. I, I like to think sometimes about AOL. If you think about the chat rooms that used to exist with thousands of people in a chat room all talking different, different conversations at the same time, imagine the advertising that would be sold if you had a, a catered audience like that where you had thousands of people in one chat room I, and... It was like, yeah, you just have ads popping up now and click on chat this rooms, and click on that. There was limits to you could how many remember you had to sit there and wait to try and get in specific chat rooms yeah. and like thirty the stuff 30. that went on inside yeah. that chat room, like ASL, like wait, oh, sex location, where are you? Yeah. It's like it was like I'm Reddit. in Louisiana, I'm sixteen and I shouldn't probably be in here, yeah. but you know what? It was it was kinda of like Reddit before Reddit. 
AOL. And then it, I could see that. Yeah, it was like the chat room where you'd sit and talk to people about certain things and download illegal MP3s and the whole thing before all this technology has changed. But it all started here in this basement uh, about twenty something, twenty two years ago ish. Now um, uh, you yeah. moved down here in seventh grade. Yeah, which would have been like twelve. We're all yeah. thirty seven, thirty eight going yeah. on, and we're about to be in twenty twenty. How crazy! We, we graduated high school twenty years ago this year. Yeah, that's I know. crazy. Well, there all there's already talk online about planning our reunion. Uh, we will not be taking our flying cars there. So, Back to the Future, you owe me a few. But they got a couple right. They did get a couple. They right. got a couple right. They do have, I think, hoverboards. Not the ones with the wheels, yep. but I think there actually is a legit hoverboard. I mean, somewhere. they had computers, like phones that you could talk to. You could talk to your television and make it come on with what you wanted to have to watch when you talk to the screen. So it's not totally wrong. So. Yeah, it all comes full circle. We are here in Shark River Hills, the Jersey Shore, in my parents' basement. Um, I live in Massachusetts now. Obviously, everyone knows up at Fenway Sports. You are now down in Tampa as of probably, what, through two months ago now? Yeah, seven weeks, six weeks, just under two months. So kind of a homecoming for you in a bit as well. You spent a lot of your career in Tampa with the Lightning. And yep. um, I know how important it was to get back to Tampa Bay. So yes. Fortunately, I work for a, a very uh, employee-forward company, the Aspire Group, out of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, led by Bernie Mullins, who uh, you know, has been around the industry for 35, 40 years, is very close with uh, Dr. Sutton, uh, has a lot of influence on... The godfather you know, of sports yeah, ticket sales. Yeah, and it kind of all comes full circle with that, too, with your time at uh, you know UMass Amherst and the sports management program yep, there. He helped launch that program. Right, and then he also had a lot of influence on the property that I'm at now with USF Athletics and launching the sports management program there, which is... Very highly rated in the industry now in the collegiate ranks and the pro ranks and the, the Vinick uh, program that they have now coming out of there from the owner with the Lightning. Uh, and what's really cool is, you know, the Aspire Group is one of those companies who really cares about their their, their employees. Um, you know, I was at the Tampa Bay Lightning for, you know, seven plus years, uh, and they're a company who really care about their employees. And I learned how important it is to be a company that really cares about your employees and really gives back to the people who come to work every single day and work hard because, you know, there's not a lot of times. And I, I like to talk about this, and I don't want to go on too much of a tangent when it comes to operations. Go on and, a tangent. Uh, operations and, and how it's a player. But I just one of the things that fascinates me about our industry is that, you know, we're in sales, right? So we're supposed to be driving as much revenue as possible. Yet, you know, you get $8 million annually, you know, $8 million a year. Nine million a year. Oh well, it's a new city, and he's got to adjust, and he gets that adjustment period, and it's okay that you know in hockey he scored fifteen goals for eight million, or in baseball he hit you know two forty for you know twenty five million. Well, <laughs> you know you can hire a kid in inside sales for now. I average is probably closer to twenty to twenty two thousand for the salary base salary mm-hmm. plus commissions, and you're expecting this kid to perform on a four, five, six, or greater to one ROI, and you know, there's no adjustment period. There's no, um, you know, there's no time period where you get to, oh, you know, I had a slow year my first year, but then again, uh, you know, I have a future and I'm locked up for another seven years, so it's okay. I'll make another $120 million. Uh, this is a kind of thing where, you know, you're getting into this industry and, you know, you're not paid a lot and you're expected to do a lot and commit a lot of time and effort. And, you know, it circles back to my point is that the Aspire Group, um, Picked me up after I was with the Vegas Golden Knights, and we can talk about that later on after launching that situation, um, and and made me the director of sales and service at UConn Athletics under David Benedict, who is an awesome athletic director, uh, leader, coach, mentor. Um, and after a year and a half of fixing uh, some issues that UConn had had plaguing them for 
for a few decades. Uh, we sold 4,000 new season tickets on the heels of going back to the Big East. Um, renewed at 100% for men's and women's basketball. Uh, and then from there, um, asked me if I wanted to have Tampa back, and there was no way I was going to say no because, uh, you know, USF, uh, and it's great, we just hired Jeff Scott as our new football coach from Clemson. He's the offensive, co-offensive coordinator for Clemson. Is our new football Big coach. Big win for them last night. Huge win, comeback win. Um, sorry to my Ohio State people out there. I know you're very passionate about your Buckeyes. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate. I'd rather watch Clemson versus uh, LSU in the final. It's the Tiger Bowl. Yeah, they rather, should call it the I'd Tiger Bowl. I'd rather watch that anyway. Yeah, me too. Sorry, Ohio State. It's going to be the undefeated team who went from first to fourth versus the team who's been pummeling everybody all year. Yeah, no, it's 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 going to be interesting because Clemson obviously has been there, and they've the, the quarterback won a national championship last year as a freshman, Trevor Lawrence, and yeah. now they're going to have a – the, the Tiger Bowl. Uh, where is it? Where is the national championship? It's in Louisiana. It's oh, in New Orleans. Oh, all right. Good. So good if luck. you like LSU, good which luck, uh, my family does from our, our time back with Skip Bertman as the AD, um, New Orleans is going to be overrun with purple and gold. Um, so uh, back to Aspire. Uh, back. Excuse me. Back to Jeff Scott. He comes there as the head coach of USF. Great hire by Michael Kelly, our AD, who used to be the president of the college football playoff. Um, who's an excellent uh, leader as well that I'm learning in my short time here, brings in this guy from Clemson, and the first thing he says at his intro press conference is that USF football is a sleeping giant. And that's a program that was spent a a cup of coffee at number two in the country, as of last year was uh, a top 25 team, and the wheels kind of fell off a little bit uh, uh, this past season um, with going four and eight, but... You know, if a guy from Clemson who, you know, worked out long under Dabo has a lot of people such as Dabo that uh, can vouch for him and and support his move to USF, um, if he can think that this is a sleeping giant, uh, then I know that I'm in one of the better places in the collegiate ranks and and being able to fix a lot of the things that USF Athletics in the front office had. Um, I'm looking forward to driving uh, a ton of seats, a ton of revenue, uh, and my staff being as as good as it possibly can be to help capitalize on the wave that Jeff Scott's going to provide. So you said something earlier, which we talk about a lot. So Tampa Bay for you is where you want to live and the lightning and and USF. And most people that are trying to break into the business hear the names Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox, whatever. And they they get infatuated with trying to work for that big name brand team because they think that might be the best opportunity. And and you you will will kind of walk through your career, but you started at the NHL as not even in sales and production assistant, similar to me. I I didn't start in sales. But for you, it was very important to work for an organization that was a great place to work. And you stayed for a long time with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the area itself is where you enjoyed living. That outweighs sometimes the name on the front, right? So your business card could say Chicago Cubs, and the Chicago Cubs are this might be a bad example because they're a great organization, but you might have a better experience and grow more because you're in an organization like like Vinick and Tampa Bay Lightning. So when someone's 19, 20 years old and they're closed-minded and saying, I only want to work in New York, I want to work in, in Boston, I only want to work in L.A., what would you tell them? I would tell them that, look, there's not – it's not – that there's a lack of glitz and glamour that comes with your job if you work for the the New York Yankees. I mean, you walk in any place that has a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of industries and say, you're the guy who works for the New York Yankees, you're going to make jaws drop. You're going to make people stop in their tracks and be like, whoa, wait a second. This guy... Uh, and here's a perfect example. I went to a, I was a plus one at a wedding up in the Finger Lakes one long time ago when I was with the NHL, um, and it was a lawyer marrying a lawyer. And as I tell this story all the time, the new kids. So this is a great story for our, our session. Um, it was a lawyer marrying a lawyer, and 
everybody at this wedding was a, was a lawyer or a paralegal or something at a law firm that, you know, this is their industry. So they all thought that they were big shakes and it, they clearly were. They were way above my head in anything legal. The only thing I had ever gotten was a speeding ticket when it comes to legality. Um, well, you watched me get arrested. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Story for another we're, time. Story for another time, but I did not go with him just so you know. No, no, just me. Um, so with that being said. Which wasn't my fault, by we, the way. We went around the table, and it was like, I'm a lawyer here, and I'm a lawyer here, and I'm a lawyer here, and I'm a lawyer here. And I was the one guy who wasn't a lawyer or anything legal. And, uh, you know, they were like, so what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm a production assistant at the National Hockey League. And they all stopped, and they looked at me, and they're like, wow, that is way cooler than anything we do uh tell us about it so i got to like talk to them for a solid hour at the table where we're going through the wedding festivities um and you know they thought it was the coolest thing in the world so it's not that there's uh not glitz and glamour with the yankees or the dodgers or the cubs or you know any team you want to talk about the new york knicks have a ton of people at madison square garden selling that product even though you know it's the knicks and the rangers and they turn the lights on and it's packed it's that Sometimes in our industry, you can make a much bigger impact not only on yourself, but on the market, on fans, on a brand, um, by working in a smaller market team. And I will tell you, you know, after 15 years and learning this firsthand, uh, it wasn't so much the fact that they're on a record number of probably like 250 plus straight sellouts at Amelie Arena now that all started from when my team and I were back there selling out games. Um, you know, three, four years ago before I went to Vegas, it's really a matter of um, you're changing a brand around. If you don't know the Lightning rebranded into a, a newer, cleaner logo back in the day, a lot of people say it was a Toronto influence, but those old, those original six teams have a clean look to them and a clean brand to them. So with a new owner, uh, Jeff Vinnick, who is a, a very forward-thinking person, a very market-driven person, um, someone who also is influenced on, on your world, uh, being yeah, involved with part the, Red of the Red Sox. Right. So, I mean, he gets it, right, from from original six or original baseball teams, teams that are around for 100 years. You want to create a brand that's going to last. And if anyone knows anything about past Tampa Bay Lightning logos, there's a lot of craziness and script writing. And there's I think there was lightning bolts on the sleeves on one jerseys and raindrops, too. And, you know, they really embrace the fact that they're the lightning capital of the, the country. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you turn a brand around uh, and they're very – uh, forward-thinking company that you know keeps people, and one of the reasons why people would ask me all the time, "Why did you leave there if you loved it so much?" It's like not that I had a choice. The alternative is stay there, you know, do all right financially, and have a great place to work every day, and be excited, and go in and watch Stamkos and Kucherov and those guys try to contend for a Stanley Cup every every year. Um, but you know, as someone who also has got to keep their their personal growth in mind, you had to leave uh, and go pursue other things because nobody leaves. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning if they don't have to. It's no, and a great I place think to work. what you said earlier was about opportunity, and sometimes there's better opportunities in smaller markets to make your mark. And look, we've, we've all been in this business long enough now to understand that you can, like you said, sometimes show up, turn the lights on, and people are here. But you, Tampa Bay, to your point, was a pretty much a lower-tiered, considered team from a brand standpoint, a place to work, but the people that have you were under and surrounded yourself with who have now gone on to become CROs and other opportunities and vice SVPs and other markets because people realized how successful you guys were in Tampa Bay, which mm-hmm. led you to be able to go upstart a brand new NHL team in Vegas, which ended up being the probably the best story of all time from a launch of a, of a franchise in any industry because of how the success on and off the ice, which was 
by the way, still the craziest thing that ever happened in sports from a, a team to be a expansion team to go to a Stanley Cup makes no sense. But um, let's talk about where you started. So you majored in communications at Monmouth mm-hmm. University. This yep. isn't our first time on the radio together. You nope. had a radio show, yep, which I was a guest on where we yep. went on. Uh, yeah. We used to play a lot of Aerosmith. A lot of Aerosmith, <laughs> a lot of classic rock. So much fun. And then you, your first gig uh, out of school was a PA with the NHL. So kind of talk to me. What, what was your responsibilities there? What did you do day to day? Like, what does that mean for people who don't know what that is? Because a lot of people hear us talk about sales. A lot of our guests are sales folks. But, like, another avenue to work in this business would be what you did with the NHL. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the times you, you have to present a brand on a consistent and daily basis. Uh, and the the production world is a big part of not only what, what companies and teams do internally at games, like game presentation, but also – for instance, at the NHL, you'd cover different spots for what was at the time the Outdoor Life Network, OLN. Remember yes, when the NHL yes. came out of lockout with the OLN? <laughs> I was actually the first hire post-lockout, 2000, uh, was it, 5. Yeah, I was. so I, that's when I joined New Jersey, the Devils, yeah, in 05. So, so we both joined the NHL after a lockout. That was really fun. <laughs> hey, Not uh, great. better to join it after than before. I'll say that because I also went through another partial lockout with the Lightning, uh, a story for later as well. What year was that? Uh, 12. Yeah, they, I feel like the NHL 12, locks it every 13. seven years. So. Yeah. We're I mean, due, we're due. Honestly, it's almost like a reset that's really helped grow their brand because they're killing it right now, the NHL and, and as a league, and the entertainment value is off the chain. The good thing about it is is that hockey's always been a sport where people want to come to and see it in person and see the excitement in person. So when you're selling tickets to do that, it's a pretty good situation. Um, what were we talking about? What the, What's the day in the life of an NHL? Oh, right. So we'd come into work. Uh, I'll give you one of the best projects that I worked on or two of the best projects. One was a uh, – um, the 50th anniversary, the 40th anniversary, excuse me, 40th anniversary of the Philadelphia Flyers, where we did all kinds of interviews, interviewed everybody from all the Broad Street bullies, uh, and then you know, of course, Legion of Doom. We grew up. Are you a Devils fan? Yeah. A me a Rangers fan. We grew up, you know, dealing with the Legion of Doom and Eric Lindros, uh, and then the Keith Primos of the world, uh, all the way back to hearing the the bullies talk about you know Ray Shearer, who's no longer with us, um, and getting all that. And you, you're lining up all these interviews, you're running tape, you're shooting B-roll, uh, which is the footage that's going to go over the uh, the voiceovers for the interviews. Um, you know, you make it sure that you're you're putting together quite a piece that's going to present the brand as best as possible, and then it gets all made up. Back in back at that time, 15 years ago, it was all for DVD, which was still cool. Yep. And now it's probably going streaming somewhere. You guys, on were, HBO. you guys were working on like DV, Stanley Cup DVDs, Stanley Cup DVDs. So you'd follow the two teams back and forth, home and homes, uh, and then you'd have like you know two days to turn it around, and get it to the mix house in New York City. They'd mix it, uh, do the voiceover from who, uh, whoever we would hire. We'd hire some really great people to do voiceovers. Um, the guy who played Ray Donovan did it one year. Uh, what's his name? The guy from Scream. Oh, um, from Scream? Yeah, the guy who's uh, um, Cotton, Cotton Weary. Yeah, he does all the he does all the um, yeah. So HBO, he the road the the one on HBO Road to Winter Class. Yeah, he does yeah, all those. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, he did it one year. That was like his first thing uh, with with the NHL. Uh, and then it go out there for DVD. So if you're a fan of the the Ducks uh, who won it the 2006. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're a Ducks fan, you know you got this awesome DVD to commemorate the year. So yeah, there's different opportunities, obviously beyond just being in sales, because obviously most of the jobs that people see open and everyone and I still hate this misconception and the advice that people get is the only way into sports and the easiest way into sports is through the ticket office and being a salesperson, which I have always said is probably true 15 years ago when our industry was much smaller, but now that it's so specialized. 
if you want to be an NHL production assistant or you want to work in, in communications, should you take a ticket sales job? No. Why? I'm telling you no. Because as a, as a hiring director and have, have leadership under me between the staff and myself, uh, we are looking for people who want to sell. And like yourself, who found his way into sales and actually enjoy it and love the, the chase and the closing and the, the, pro, the process that comes with being in sales, uh, and myself as well, uh, we want people who want to sell. And, you know, sometimes that's a, a lot harder to find than you'd think um, because a lot of people still on interviews and, and I actually, you know, ask this in, in interviews as I say, are they teaching you in your sports management program to say to people, we want to get into sales just to get into something else because it's a hiring director who, who usually comes in on the second wave of interviews after there's been a phone interview with one of my managers, um, you know, I'm like, do they tell you this stuff? Because that doesn't sound it's, like it's something crazy. I want to hang. It's crazy how people come in and I'm like, yeah, I really don't want the job I'm applying for, but I, I, I just take it because it's a get my foot in the door. Right, like, like, why am I going to jump to hire that? Would, would you? My question to them usually is, would you say that to Google? Like, oh, I really don't want to be an engineer. I really want to do that, but I'll just take this job because I just want to work at Google. Okay, so I didn't go through a sports management program. I've been around it during my career, but when you were in a sports management program at UMass, did they teach you to say that? No, so. Again, I think it's it's changed and evolved so much. So 15, well, unfortunately, over 15 years ago uh, when I was still in college, ticket sales might have been the only way in. Fr- front offices were tiny, right? So like the world of sports marketing and business has, has exploded since then. Sports management was only at maybe a handful of schools. So the, the way in was sports was through ticket sales. and But now with social media and sp- specific groups, and I mean, our front office is 350 people at the Red Sox, and Aspire is this massive organization now. Yeah, wor- nationwide, go worldwide. Right, so if you actually want to be in marketing, first of all, don't say that word because that's not a, really a job. No one has the title marketing. It's a specific job within that department. You should follow the route to get you to that role and not be like, oh, I'm going to go sell a bunch of tickets, crush it, make a lot of money for the organization, and they'll be like, oh, by the way, yeah, you can go be our PR person. It's never going to happen, right? Like, how, do you see anyone now go from a, being a successful ticket salesperson to being moved over to be the head of social media? Does that ever happen in your world? No. And a lot of times, uh, the social media people who have such a large job and large shoes to fill now um, are complete opposite personalities of the people who work in sales. You know, you're in sales and you have to be – I want someone that's aggressive. A great hire that I feel like we just made is someone who's starting on the 6th of January, never worked in sports sales but sold houses. So you can't find a hungry salesperson than somebody who doesn't have a base salary who has to kill in order right. to eat. Um, you know, And this girl's ready to go, and her interview was great. She said, I love sales. I love chasing. I love hunting. Uh, I love closing, and I want to get after it. I want to work in sports. I just haven't had that opportunity to, and that was part of, part of the reason why we hired somebody like that. Is but think about that answer. Like oh, she, she gave an answer of like, I want to sell. I want to close. I that love hunting. That was selling me right in the process. Right. She's, <laughs> she's saying, I'm applying for this job, and this is why I want it, versus I just will do anything. Like that answer, I'll do anything. So I'm going to be like, you want to be the mascot? Like – no, okay. Well, that's yeah, not anything. Yeah. So that, that's just doesn't get paid. I think people on my think level. <laughs> in their minds, like young kids think, saying that sounds great. And it's like, oh, I'll do anything. I'll do anything because I love it. Saying I'll do anything is such an open-ended way for me to attack you in terms of that answer because you won't do anything. And if you don't actually want to be in sales, and then you've experienced this by being a sales manager, when you when you get to the root of the problem with a salesperson, typically they're not happy with their job, right? So. 
are they typically successful salespeople? No, and I, I, one thing I'll always tell these people up front, these young, whether you're you know, 21, 22, coming out of college and want to get into sports, especially sales, or you're 25 and want to make a career change into sports sales, I always tell them up front before we make an offer, before they show more interest than you know the initial interest, is uh, let me just be real with you. There are two sides to your job, and it's – one size, one side is a lot smaller than the other side. The side that's smaller is the glitzy glamour side until you get to a certain level. Yes, we have some between the two of us have some of the most ridiculous experiences that a sports fan can ever. Like if you told a twelve-year-old us as we were playing Command and Conquer that you'd win two ser- two World Series rings and I'd launch an NHL franchise and be been a part of Stanley several. Cu- you've been in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys. I just got, got dinner with Eli Manning. I did have dinner with Eli Manning. He was a young Eli Manning. He was. It was his rookie. Yeah, I think so it's like. Us. Yeah, and Vander Holyfield was there too. Like you know, you get to have who, sitting. The, who is the the Ranger great? Oh, Roger Bear. Yeah, Roger Bear, Roger Bear was, was sitting one. I, like, that was sixteen years ago. You still have that picture? I think you took a picture. Yeah, yeah. Phones, my, 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 no I gave, iPhones. I gave it to we, my dad since that's his. How did we get that picture? Because there was no iPhones back. Was it like a flip phone? We did. It might have been a flip phone picture. Oh uh, God! And, you know, that, and that's exactly. I mean, you you have stories like that to tell. Where I've been to several All Star weekends, uh, courtesy of the NHL uh, and my brand activation. Um, you, you guys, know. did you host the All Star game in Tampa when you were there? Not when we were there, but after I had left. After you left. Um, you know, but that's the only reason we hosted an all-star game in tampa was because of the work they put into amelie arena and the surrounding area uh i was actually in nashville for all-star weekend and and uh met met up with bill daly um and uh you know asked him about tampa bay and he said yeah it's, nashville it's, all-star it's weekend coming nashville all-star That's a weekend good place to have an all-star game. it was a great place to have an all-star weekend i got a that was a- voted by sports business journal last week nashville is the best sports city in america which i thought sounds crazy because you would think of like oh boston new york LA, Chicago. Nashville. So, is that because of the city, the fans, the, the success of the sports teams? The, the, so, I mean, the Preds obviously crush it. I don't know. I never knew the Titans did so well, but I, I until Vegas showed up, it was always the best home ice advantage, right? In hockey, because the players would go out on Broadway Street and bang, get banged up the night before. But yeah, let me tell you something. City. I spent almost two years in Vegas, and I didn't see one non-home player before a game out and about. And I was out and about a lot being well, in Well, Vegas sales. is a pretty big split. It's, it's easy to hide in Vegas. If yeah, you not when you're an NHL player and you're Brian Specia walking around. No, I know a true. lot of these that's guys. True. But you'd see on the off teams. I mean, I just think that a lot of teams were more behaved than anyone likes to think. The Probably third. for the first year they had to, right? Like, right. We can't get in trouble in Vegas in year one. Like, you think Torts is letting the Blue Jackets go out? But the NFL is coming next year. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> and they all saying that the uh, the new the Raiders Stadium uh, uh, place I almost was, uh, worked for was recruited there by legends a little bit. Uh, but wanted to chose to stay with the Golden Knights is they're saying the stadium now looks like the Death Star. It does. I saw the pictures the other day. The yeah. video, it it's looks, like a big round a, black and which gray is perfect circle for the Raiders. Right on, right on uh, the Las black Vegas hole. Boulevard. They literally built the black hole, which is perfect. I mean, which is good. Vegas does it. Vegas knows how to entertain and put things. Clear on Clear right. roof that that. Um, Holds out the UV rays to make it it's hot. Gonna, it's like, gonna it's gonna be cool. crazy. Yeah, that that's I'm sure that stadium will be phenomenal. I'll be in Vegas next week. I'm gonna go take a picture and see send it over to you because we're both obviously 12 year old Chris and Brian, huge Star Wars fans. Yep. Um, huge Skywalker Star Star Wars fans. Yes. So a little yeah. sad that this ended. It's over and uh, the Death Star and everything. So we were actually just talking about the bank that I used to have in my my bedroom, which was an R2D2 bank that used to beep and put my which my son now has. Which is crazy to say that I have a son. We're sitting in my basement talking about that. It makes me feel uh, really old. But um, in terms of the opportunity with the Raiders and, and assessing that and things come along, and obviously each of us have had things presented to us, but it kind of goes back to when someone presents you with an opportunity, like how do you 
what boxes do need to check for you at this point in your career to say, okay, this is what I want. This is what's next. I see growth here. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely uh, be lying to you and naive uh, to myself if I told you that money wasn't a big part of it Um, because it definitely is. At this point, you're an adult. You have aspirations and house buying and families and all kinds of stuff you're you're you know taking into consideration so i'd be telling you money is definitely not a driving factor i'd be but lying should be part of it when you're 21 no it, it, growth and mentorship and the effect that someone who already runs the project um you know is definitely the biggest key thing that i would be looking for if you're not looking for good people listen one of my mentors is probably my greatest mentor i worked for him for a decade his name is ryan bringer uh, he is now the vice president of sales, uh, premium, uh, premium seating and sales for the um, the Washington Nationals. World Series champion, Ryan World, Bringer. Yep, World Series champion, Ryan Bringer. He always told me, he would just drill it into my head over the decade that I worked for him, is he would tell me two things. You want to be someone good to work with, and you want to work for good people. And it's simple. Th- yeah, simple. It's very, very simple. If you get hired, if you're lucky enough to be on one of these teams, because I mean, how many people do your uh, how many people do your job? Two, my job. Three, one. I mean, ha- yeah. Oh no, my. So there's like twelve of us. Okay. At Fenway. Yeah. But we have, but we're not just the Red Sox. It's a much bigger organization. Right. So all in with all the properties and everything that's under Fenway. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. I mean, it's yeah. So. But there's only tw- but that's the thing. There's only twelve opportunities in the whole entire organization. Right. So like that's not a lot. I used to wake up in Vegas and say, "There's one person with the title premium seating." for the Vegas Golden Knights in the whole world. Right. And I get to be that guy. It's the same thing. It's like you want to be a CMO for a a sports team in Boston. There's four sports teams. There's only four CMO jobs. Right. There's a lot of financial companies. You're likely going to have to move or leave. And everyone jokes. I grew up a Yankee fan, right? That was a part of my best man speech at his wedding, folks. Yeah, I I grew up a Yankee fan. Uh, I have two Red Sox World Series rings. And the only reason I was able to and work for this organization as long as I have now is – what you just said earlier is the people because if you don't work with great people on a daily basis or are learning from individuals that are helping you grow and to be a mentor to you it's all pointless so great you can say you work for the toronto maple leafs but if your boss is a jackass and you're not growing and learning things on a day-to-day basis it's all a waste of time mm-hmm. for you as an individual trying to start off your career so you need to find a mentor and like for you to have bringer and then, you know, you went to a World Series game this year, right? With you got to, you got to. Yeah, I got to spend the entire uh, World Series uh, game that was in Washington at the Nationals Park, um, which they lost because no one won a home game. Yeah, no one won a home <laughs> which game, which is the first time ever in baseball. And actually, the game was horrible if you're rooting for the Nats, which we were because of because of Ryan. Um, but man, first class organization did everything the right way. Pre-game, uh, pre-game uh, reception in a private area. Brought people out, a lot of good networking there, um, you know, food provided, dessert provided, cool experiences with like photo booths and cool stuff that you expect from being at the World Series. Um, I would have had none of those things if Ryan wasn't a mentor to me all these years. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that when I set out in sales as an inside sales rep for the Florida Panthers making 12000 a year base salary. Let me say that again. 12000 a year base salary plus minimal commissions and it was basically and we'll get to how inside sales has changed um over the last 10 years with how it was basically sell your way out of this horrible situation um you know brian hired me there and brought me to tampa promoted me in tampa um you know realized that i was doing good work and rewarded me over and over for it and that's how i learned uh between him and jamie spencer and and jared Dillon and matt hill and 
you know, um, I, I can go all the way up the chain with Steve Griggs. And then after that, Todd Lywicki goes from CEO of the Tampa Bay Lightning to COO of the NFL yep. at the league office under Roger Goodell. I mean, those are people you work with, but you have to be willing to do what's necessary to to be a good employee, learn from good people. They're going to teach you. And anyone in a leadership position, and I mean, I don't know everybody in a leadership position in our industry, but the ones that I know uh, are all about growing people. And that's why they go through, uh, you know, that's why they go through the management chain because they could go to, you know, a higher sales level. They could want to be, you know, uh, selling for their entire career. I know plenty of people that are want to just sell for the whole career that are very motivated by closing deals and, and selling. Um, you want to grow people's careers. Uh, I want to grow people's careers. Nothing makes me more proud and happy um, to see other people get better and do better at their job and come in and be, you know, rewarded and be satisfied with what they're doing for a living and grow themselves as professionals. Uh, and I predicate my entire leadership uh, on passion and energy, making it fun, and, and making sure people understand that uh, it's all about people. And it's all about knowing people. I wouldn't even be on this this podcast today if I hadn't known you all those years ago. I know. We've kind of – it's funny. Like getting in this industry is – it's hard. And we t- I tell people every time I have this conversation with them is like, look, getting into sports is is not easy because it's a very small – and it always has the cliche. It's a small, small industry in the regards to – we just mentioned you can only – there's only four CMOs in Boston that run a sports team. The fact that we grew up a mile apart, went to school together <clears> – <throat> In each other's like uh, you were my you were my best man at my wedding, and we've both been in the business and only ever worked in sports for fifteen years. Kind of defies the odds, and have kind of a similar career path of we both. I just started community relations and moved over to the NHL in 2005, 2005 just like you did. Um, what drew you though to go to, to to the Panthers inside sales role and be in sales? Because obviously, a PA assistant at, at the NHL and and giving up that glitz and glamour of the National Hockey League in New York to move down to work for a team again, the, the Florida Panthers that aren't considered a premier organization. Why did you think that was a great opportunity? Yeah, so I didn't know him at the time, uh, but Chad Johnson was the executive vice president of... Not Ocho Cinco. No, Chad Johnson <laughs> uh, was the executive vice president of the Panthers under Michael Yormark uh, of sales and marketing, and I think Game Prez and 17 other things. He is now, I think, the senior vice president for the Jacksonville Jaguars, brought a lot of his Panther brethren with him. Um, you know, but I reached out to him and he said, Hey, Colin Riley, who's with, I think the Hornets now in Charlotte will be reaching out as the inside sales manager and, uh, took this job. And really what it was about was using my people skills. You know, a lot of people always told me that I was very personable and, you know, was an outgoing person and really wanted to get out of the production world because there was a lot of changes to it very quickly. And I was like, you know what, this isn't really for me. What can I do to stay in sports, use my personality, make money, uh, and, and really make a career out of this because sports is my whole life. And I went from a very competitive salary where I didn't have to worry about commission to $12,000 here and living on my buddy's couch for a couple months. Miami. Yeah. That's not a lot of money. Right. But you were 22, right? 23. Yeah. 23. Right out of, you know, a year and a half out of school, two years out of school. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. If you're 23 years old and if you have $12,000 or you have $40,000, you're working so much anyway. What's the difference, right? It's all about your career. One growth. thing we'd always joke about is, you know, it's twelve thousand dollars a year plus commission, and uh, don't look at your hourly wage. No, if no. You break it down hourly, you'll. <laughs> you could probably sue them for <laughs> for malpractice it's, in terms of. It, it was like um, poverty level stuff. It was like oh, four easily. bucks an hour, five oh, yeah, bucks an definitely. hour. 
really bad stuff. But you know what? At the time, you don't care because you're young. You don't really think about the big picture. You really think about what's going on right now and how can I get to the next level. I got promoted while I was with the Panthers. I, I'll tell you this. I sold the hell out of this Father's Day pack. It was four tickets to the Rangers, a hat and a puck. Well, Miami and, and New Yorkers, it probably goes hand in hand. Yeah, so I sold the hell out of that. I sold the hell out of the Ranger game. It was four tickets, a hat and a puck. And I sold like $10,000 in a $200 plan. So imagine how many transactions. So, you know, Bringer used to say to the senior team at the time, he's like, this guy, Brian, who doesn't even know where the bathroom is, is out selling you guys. Um, you know, I got put on the new business development team under Christy Landy, new senior director of premium seating for the New York Giants, yep. New York football giants. So it comes congr- full circle. Congratulations. To her. I mean, that's what we're trying to get at here, guys, is that, you know, there is a connection everywhere. And Christy Landy was my boss for new business development from the Panthers. Uh, still haven't worked under many better people than her. Like it's, she's just right up there with anyone I know that's been a good influence and a mentor to me. I still talk to her, uh, from time to time these days. She's been with the Jets and helped launch their their existence in MetLife. Uh, she's been with Madison Square Garden. Now she's with the New York Football Giants, and you can attest to how hard it is to get a job with the Giants. Nobody. I mean, I say nobody. People I worked with 15 years ago are still there in the same position. I mean, and look, the Giants, obviously, from a name brand, amazing, but it goes back to the people and the way they run. That organization is run like a family organization. So it, my day-to-day was unbelievable there, but I, I can attest like it's very, very hard to get in there and move up because a lot of people don't leave. So congratulations to Christy because she just land. A, I'm sure I can't imagine the amount of applicants or people that wanted that job. She's I, she's that good. I mean, like when you don't get that job without being that. She's good. that good. She's. Uh, I would like to say she's an investment for the Giants and a commodity that you don't find anywhere she's uh, uh originally a new yorker too um and uh you know personal reasons have her you know not necessarily being able to move around and 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 get harder in california and texas and you know but she she's somebody that'll go in there and is going to do exactly what the management with with, with mara wants out of their sales team from their season ticket standpoint filling that building up uh, with anything that's not sold, I know she's going to be heavily focused on probably club seating because those PSLs are not inexpensive. No, nope, twenty thousand nope, dollars nope. just to buy the seat, I think it is. Um, but they got themselves an investment. They got themselves a hot commodity. And and I look to look at people in our industry as just like the players. You know, you have a good player who's on the trading block, like Taylor Hall just moved from the Devils to, to the Arizona Coyotes. R.I.P. R.I.P. Taylor Hall. It just literally, is like you know the best player was an MVP one year, and then next thing you know, he's on the Arizona Coyotes. Our life is a lot like that in terms of one minute uh, I took a picture in Tampa Bay Lightning gear, flew out to Vegas, start my life in Vegas, and now I'm in Golden Knights gear, and people were like, this is all weird to see. Like how you Then you went to UConn and now you're at USF. Right. So it's just and they're in the same conference, the American conference, yep. which is uh so now you're rooting against the team you were just working for. A month and a half ago. Yeah. It was all about UConn and now I'm all <laughs> about beating UConn. Um, did, did JPP go to USF? He did, yeah. So did uh, oddly enough, that we're having this conversation, yep. I have one hand. At my my I, I don't even I don't know if I told you this. So I got a JPP jersey from my my coworkers. You did tell me. They yeah, do, yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, yeah. Because of my one handed um, the one handed bandit. Um, that's all funny. Yeah, JPP. Yeah. It, I mean, like I said, there's literally a connection at every turn in this industry. So, um, you know, I, I wrote a great article um, about adaptation in our industry. Well, I'll be the judge industry. of that. I think it's a great article. Okay. He thinks he can write, but I, he, I'm still better than him at writing. Um, anyway, 
Uh, Mrs. I, Mrs. I, Lenhart would would not agree with that. Oh my God! Sorry, our eighth grade teacher. I think we could probably say R.I.P. to that. Too. I don't know. I don't if know. She's maybe. still alive. God bless her soul. Sister Margaret Mary, R.I.P. She's like 130 now. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, with that being said, it, I wrote a great article about uh, adaptation um, and and how you need it in order to be successful because. You're not only adapting to the place that you work, but you're adapting to the city that you live in. You're adapting to the income that you're making. You're adapting to your new coworkers. You're adapting to the fact that you have to sell immediately. We do not get a grace period of not selling. You don't get hired. Six months later, you're not putting up revenue, and you know all is not kosher in the world. You're not You're not going to be there long. I think that's the, the part where young folks probably struggle with. Like, They say they want to work in sports, right? It's scary. It's it is. still a, a business. It is scary. It it's is a, a business. Big business. Absolutely. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, they just valued Fenway Sports Group there today as the third most valuable sports organization in the in the world at six point eight billion dollars. You don't get there without generating revenue, and the only people who are responsible for generating that revenue are the people on the, on the phones, and then also the people that are out selling corporate sponsorships. The only way that the revenue comes in for sports teams outside of their media rights. All right. So when you're 22, 23 years old. It's not going to be like, hey, I'm going to hang out and go watch some, some games and get paid to just be like a fan and play fantasy football all no. day long. You have a job to do, and your job is to then do that job well. Otherwise, you won't be there very long. Yeah, and the, the thing is, too, is you get hired onto these teams to sell, especially. If you are of the mindset that you don't need to be putting up revenue seats, I got news for you. Everyone around you in those cubicles is of the mindset that you need to be putting up revenue and selling seats. Yeah. And a lot of teams now are focused on revenue dollars, but because of the way there's league sharing and revenue sharing and hockey related revenue and, you know, salary caps in baseball and and basketball and revenue sharing with I don't know what was the average owner getting in the NFL for revenues every year? Oh, it's ridiculous from the t- from the TV deals, TV yeah, deals and stuff. So it's all intertwined because you're selling you know, ads and sponsorships and, and branding. If there's no one in the seats. In no front of the people that right. I'm selling to fill up sections of seats, everyone has that mentality where you have to. So if you're not pounding the ground, and one of the best sales guys I know in the industry works for the Miami Dolphins right now, uh, Nicky Gordon, he just passed a million dollars for Miami Dolphins. Let me say that again. <laughs> Miami Dolphins football and among some of the other properties that they have down there in that conglomerate now, I mean, he's selling a million dollars. And the guy next to him, Probably better be somewhere in the eight to yeah. eight to nine hundred thousand range in order to. Because if you, what's look, your excuse if someone else can hit it, right? Like if you there can't, is none. If that other person can do it, there's no like, oh, they get better leads. Well, they're probably working harder than you. Yeah, I mean, it, most likely it's work ethic. Most likely it's a, there's definitely a little bit of a talent. We're not expecting as leaders and hiring managers and directors, we're not expecting everyone to be the fifty goal scorer. It's just not possible. No, it's not. But we are expecting you to pull your weight. Uh, we are expecting you to be at a certain ROI. Uh, and we are expecting you to, to, you know, cover your basis and CYOA. So I'm not sitting here going, okay, let's look at our team going to the following sales season because there's a difference between season and sales season. Uh, we launch renewal somewhere in around the second half of uh, of your season. Uh, I'm looking at guys. That, all right, my number one guy is this. My number, my bottom, my bottom guy is this. Is he the bottom guy or is he just that far behind the number one guy? You know, if you're the bottom guy, a lot of a lot of places like to just chop off the bottom. You don't want to be there. I mean, you have to make sure you're grinding as much as you are uh, on the glitz and glamour side. Yeah, no, I mean, look, and it is fun, right? Like the, we otherwise wouldn't do this for 15 years. The day it stops becoming fun, there's no point because you've you and I have both have made sacrifices and moved around the country, and you just moved again, but you got back to where you want to be. But you did all that stuff in your early 20s. That you don't want to do in your 40s or 50s, right? So that's that's what the point is. Like when you when you can do it, and you don't have those responsibilities, and money might not be the biggest issue when it one 
when you eventually do have life problems. Do it when you're 22, 23. If you need to go international, go international. You can always come home. We are sitting right now in my parents' basement. We are home. There's always <laughs> a way to go home. We literally came home. Yeah, we literally <laughs> came home. So at the end of the day, like, don't worry about having the actual perfect job in regarding who you actually are working for from the team or the name. Make sure it's a situation where you're in a good spot to grow, learn, create a network for yourself. Like you just mentioned all these people that we've talked about for the last 40 minutes. You can pick up the phone and call any of them Mm -hmm. and you can use them as either a reference if a job opens in their organization and go work with them again because that's the relationship you've established early on in your career. Yeah, man, I'll give you I'll give you the lowdown right now on that Golden Knights job. Um, you know, the leadership there was not going I think they were under mandate from the league to not take people without talking to people. Yep. They couldn't make certain hires. Like my role couldn't have been hired until they were at a certain point in their expansion um, and just plucking people who already had experience. And I know the lightning were hot commodity, but leadership in Vegas was not going to take me without having a conversation with Jared Dillon. So, you know, I, of course, put, uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights in touch with Jared. And Jared, you know, thankfully had, uh, you know, understood the hard work I'd given him over the years. Uh, and I wouldn't have had that job without Jared being like, hey, like, this is our guy. He's really good. You've got to take him. So that's the thing. Is like when you go work your ass off for somebody and you put it in, you want your boss to pick up the phone and be your biggest advocate, right? So, like, that's the whole goal. If, you, if your boss is willing to let you go because he knows it's a growth opportunity he's going to vouch for you because you have the relationship with him that you can even tell him about the opportunity, that's how you get – far in this business yeah it's, it's, and, and let me tell you how and good like, bosses will help you and they'll get you that job they won't say no we're not gonna let you go and make you stay here if they think it's a good opportunity and let me tell you how much so so i go from tampa to, to vegas under the you know the the word from jared that hey like this is a legit kid he's gonna come in there he's gonna sell he's gonna work hard he's gonna be committed he cares about brand he cares about team uh you know anyone that knows me knows how much i care about nhl hockey yes um you know and it's I, I'm done there two years later. Between the shooting on 10-1 on the strip, uh, which really helped galvanize uh, fans to, you know, they, they escaped from bad things like that with sports. Yep. That helped us sell more. I'm not going to hide behind that. You know, it wasn't like, hey, oh, you see the shooting, you want to buy? Like, that wasn't how it was. But it was basically what can be a good distraction in Vegas outside of the, you know, because the city will tell you, the people that live there will tell you that you had the same thing over and over again. The the hockey team really felt like they, they gave them a feeling of culture, gave them a feeling of, like we have something over our own that's not, not just gambling not just uh Cirque du Soleil not just nightclubs and stuff like that we had our own professional sports team that was Vegas born uh and I I went from lightning made to Vegas born because of Jared and the leadership in Vegas and then after the project there is over we're sold out they go to the we go to the finals lose to Washington um I, I'm like well I really want to be a leader I want to lead uh and we've I, talked about this forever in your career like that was where you thought you would be at excel the most, and you made a very conscious decision to walk away from the NHL and the NBA, the NFL, MLB, and went to the NCAA, which in some people's minds is is a step down, but honestly, in terms of popularity of sport, I think it's number two in the country is NCAA sports because of the amount of people down south. It, up in the northeast, it doesn't have the same reputation, but there was an opportunity for you to grow presented to yourself at an ex- prestigious organization and, and university as UConn, their women's basketball team is probably the best of all time. And you got the role that you set out to do, but but you did it by making a decision to, in some people's mind, would be like, why would you ever leave the NHL and go to the NCAA at UConn? Like, that's a step back. It's a step forward because you got the job you wanted, one. You have now that opportunity to, to grow. It led now back to Tampa Bay. It all worked out because you made a decision that was better for you 
in the near term that would be better for the long term as well. Didn't worry about what who the, that, that you were working for. It was about the role. And that was way more important than saying I was the director of sales for the Los Angeles Dodgers that might not have existed, right? You could have gone and been a salesperson at any other NHL organization, but you got the director of sales role by going to UConn. Yeah, they gave me a leadership role. And uh, Wes England, who's the liaison for Aspire for UConn, Wes England's um, internal, got news for you. Wes and I work together at the Panthers with Bringer, with Chad, with Christy. He makes a phone call to Bringer and says, hey, hey Ryan, can, can Specia do this job being the director of sales and service and oversee all renewals, new business, growth, group sales, uh, you know, hiring and, um, you know, culture and everything like that? And, you know, without Ryan saying, yes, this is your guy after Jared told Vegas, yes, this is your guy. I mean, it just happens at, at every step. Like, there's no way that people weren't reaching out on, on Christie's behalf and saying, like, you need to hire this person. Yep. She's beyond terrific at what she does. But she has people vouching, and that's what you need people like myself, like yourself, you know, doing for you, for you is that people will reach out and say, listen, there's no reason not to hire this guy because a lot of people can't miss on their hires. And, and a, a good loss that we, you know, you and I had discussed uh, was there was an opportunity that arose to become a, a vice president of sales for the Orlando City soccer team. Uh, you know, there were several people who reached out to uh, Chris Gallagher, that's the the CRO there at the uh, – at the uh, Orlando City team, and uh, I ended up not getting the role. I was one of the finalists, but not got the role, which when I saw their hire was a vice president who wanted to move to the Florida region, who had connections with uh, with MLS in the past, and uh, their vice president, you know, you, you actually sit back and look. It's like, okay, you know what? I didn't get this job that I really wanted, but – I understand. Yeah, I understand because that person has the right credentials and, and, and connections as well. So – you know, you can't be too salty about it. So you move on with your your uh, your current role as being a director. And it, all, it actually all worked out better. It, it did work out better. I ended up back in Tampa. Uh, you know, they have, and I'll tell you what, USF has a, a really good thing going with hiring Jeff Scott as the head coach of football. They hosted Wisconsin this year, had 45,000 people at the game. Like, I couldn't do that at the NHL. I know that the Tampa Bay Lightning have rolling sellouts now, but a lot of places don't. Yeah. Uh, you can call my buddy Adam Lawson and my cousin Rory Specia down in uh, in Florida. With yeah, you, have the family, now. you have another family member in the business, right? Yes, well, that's partially in thanks to you by giving him a start yep, as an he, intern. He started as my intern with me. Albany? Albany, yep. Albany. He was yeah. on, he was an intern and also he was out there cleaning the uh, chucka pucks up off the ice. So and that's where it starts. You start somewhere. Yeah, start somewhere. And now he's with uh, the Florida Panthers as a group sales rep under Adam Lawson, who's a director, and Adam Sumrell, who's the uh, the vice president of sales down there at the Panthers. They'll tell you that their building is not full every single night. Where that's their mission. That's what they come in every single day to try to do. You, a lot of people don't have that. So um, you know when when somebody gives you the ability to work for a place that does have something like that, don't take it for granted and. Don't be afraid to, you know, possibly explore other opportunities because our job is most needed when there's inventory and things to be sold. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, I moved around so much, and, and LeBron James signs with your team. Someone thinks it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing because the whole sales staff is gone because there's nothing left. It's to a sell. good short-term thing for your pocket, but yep. then you then better you better have some some long-term uh, aspirations to go elsewhere, and that's when you have to utilize your thing your uh, your connections because. I know a few people who were with Cleveland when LeBron was drafted, and then it was like, cool, this is awesome for the next month and a half, and then it's not awesome anymore because you don't work there. Yep. And that's the Miami, same. too. Same thing happened. Oh, Everyone yeah. went to Miami. They sold out, and they're like, what are we going to sales staff for? And it's all part of our industry, and if you don't understand that, you're going you're gonna to drive yourself nuts trying to figure out why you don't get to ride with LeBron and Wade and Bosch through yeah. four, five, six years. You're not part of the team. No. You're part of the team, just in a different... Uh, yes, you're not on the bench. Yes, you're not on the bench is the best way to say it. You're, so, you're not Chris Bosch. What's the... Um, 
what's one of the biggest misconceptions you think people have about what we do and like the the sports not even the, on a sales role just the sports industry in general like what 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 do you, people talk to you about your job or, or kids that are trying to get into the industry what's the biggest misconception you come across well, I would say the, the biggest misconception or one of the biggest misconceptions that I think people uh, don't fully grasp yet coming out of school, and I don't know if it's the sports management programs that need to do a better job of teaching the students. Uh, That's why we have this podcast. I need to listen to this podcast. Yes, you do need to listen to this podcast because it will teach you that you don't make a lot of money up front. You don't make a lot of money at the beginning. You might not make a lot, what you consider a lot of money. Like We had friends that went off and made all kinds of better money than us. At, at the, the early at the on, beginning. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, at the beginning. It takes a long time to make serious money in this. There's probably executive team, uh, general uh, executive team on the operation side, and players who make a lot of money right off the bat. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you'll be struggling at 27 to make 75000 sometimes, depending on what team you're at. And then a 19 year old kid will get hired to your team and he'll make $6 million a year. And you're yep. like, damn it. Well, like, I always say, <laughs> I was getting $20,000 a year from the Giants and Eli got a $22 million signing bonus. So. Right. Things don't exactly. We were the same age. Things don't always work out the same way. No, if you had his arm, you'd probably make twenty. Uh, yeah, if I was about seven inches taller and had his arm and the last name Manning, I probably would not be sitting, um, here. sitting here doing <laughs> this podcast. Well, maybe I would be. Who knows? You'd be possibly close to retirement. I, well, I'd be a one. Yeah, I have a game in about uh, two. What is it, they play it four hours from now <laughs> yeah. and saying see you later the New York Giants. His last his last game. R.I.P. Yeah, um, R.I.P. And then uh, what's the biggest mistake you've learned? from uh the biggest mistake i've learned from is uh that i that i made or somebody else yeah made you made that i made um probably not seeing something through that i probably should have stuck with more in terms of uh you know seeing 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 through an opportunity that i didn't give a uh, full chance to but that was 13 out of the you know almost 16 years ago um was a young kid didn't know any better just wanted to get out when there was a couple changes made uh but i probably should have stuck around a little bit longer but at the end of the day that's hindsight that's 2020 uh you learn yeah you learn from your mistakes hopefully you should be i will say this um do your diligence in everything make sure that you're you're seeing things through make make sure that you're really you know, uh, separating the good and the bad, make lists, um, talk to your mentors, talk to your family, talk about what's important. Uh, make sure that you're, you're making decisions with, uh, that are calculated, not just off the cuff. Uh, you know, I, I never really dreamed that I would ever make a salary of 12. I mean, my first paycheck with no commission on it with the Florida Panthers after two weeks of work was $376. Yeah. Yeah. You're and, rolling I, it. and I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, but you know what? You stick with it. You go through the ups and downs. Uh, and next thing you know, you're, you know, director of sales and service and you make a very good salary because uh, you're taking care of for all your hard work. And the fact that people have faith in what you bring to the table. So I think takeaway is obviously this is not, an easy business and the misconception sometimes is oh i'm just going to show up i'm going to work in sports win some world series win some super bowls call it a day and get paid to go home it's hard and it's really hard and it's getting harder honestly because people's attention spans there's new sports esports is now a thing you're competing Huge with that thing, especially in the nba if you're on that level data people's time season tickets is getting harder to sell because families and people don't have 81 nights of the year they can go to a baseball game or 40 nights a year to go to a hockey game it's not an easy like show up, oh, I work for this person, I'm going to make a ton of money and go home. You have to really bust your ass. You have to get your network built, 
find good mentors and surround yourself with good people and take chances. You have to take chances. You have to move. You can't just stay stagnant. Like you, you went to Vegas, you started a whole team. You went to Yukon on a chance. Now you're in Tampa where you want to be like, it doesn't happen overnight. And most people just don't get their dream job right out of the college. You kind of have to work for it. But at the end of the day, it's still like, like I said, we're very fortunate. We've been in this business 15 now going on 16 years. I still don't feel like I've ever had a job because when you said you go to a place and you talk to someone, it's like, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh, I work for the Red Sox. Oh, I work for USF. I'm like, wow, what? And like, it's still core. What, anything else you could probably do in this world? But it's not easy. Um, and you're rewarded in different ways, but you have to put sacrifices from different stuff too. Like you, you sometimes miss Thanksgiving. If you work in the NBA and you work for one of those teams at a game on Christmas, it's just things that come along that you just sometimes don't realize until you get in. So that's why when you're young, you should reach out to Brian and have these conversations with him before and get like have informational interviews. He can connect you with the Washington Nationals and say, hey, I know my buddy here. You should talk to him as well. And like, that's how it all starts. If you start waiting to, to apply to jobs after you graduate and get your degree, it's too late, right? You're just you're behind the eight ball. Yeah, and, and the fact of the matter is is patience, and I'm going to say it, Patience is a virtue. Oh, God. Sister Michael Hill, uh, St. Rose, I, I, don't, I don't know if she's still with us or not, uh, but she was a, a teacher at St. Rose where we both went to high school. Kronos. Um, and <laughs> and uh, she would always say, and, and anyone who went to St. Rose will tell you that uh, even though you kind of like roll your eyes at so many things that Catholic school teaches you, patience is a virtue is so pertinent in your life every single day because patience is what you need in this industry because right, you're, uh, you're not gonna be a director at, at 25 everyone's like what's next when do i get promoted when i'm 22 23 oh it's man like, it's insane like i want it right now and i know you do and that's great which is to great. know that you it's want it's a it great right now. mentality but you have to go about it the right way yeah patience and when you think you you know you've had enough patience guess what practice some more patience yes. because the more patient you are the more harder you grind uh you know you're you gotta wait and There's, things like things that people don't even consider in this industry, you could be crushing it, killing it, and then the team gets sold. There's a whole oh, new ownership man, group. It's ridiculous. And like you don't, you can't control that. I'll give you a great example of non-controllable. So I was at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They made a lot of decisions on the executive level uh, based on a lot of analytics. They have like a six to eight person analytic team. It's probably one of the best in sports. They make a lot of great decisions based on that. Go to Vegas. Guess what? No analytics team, another 15 employees total, no HR department growing from the ground up. No HR in Vegas sounds like a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you something. That when you go for an expansion team, it is literally an expansion team. There is no one working there. It was about 15 to 20 of yep. us. And the fact of the matter is, is that you go from all these resources to no, to nothing. Yep. Uh, where it's just go out there and sell and find the right people who can afford. You know, I walk down to the glass and talk about four seats on the glass for $85,000. And people, you know, there's certain PWIs, private wealthy individuals who, uh, you know, can afford that stuff in Vegas, but it's just, uh, you know, you got to adapt at not having resources that you necessarily would. Or like you said, new ownership buys a team and cuts out this, 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 and this. And once you knew something, now you don't have any idea what it is. Didn't you get close with Brad Garrett in Vegas? I did get close with Brad Garrett. So if you guys don't know, and every Italian family loves, everybody loves Raymond. Well, because it's like a documentary. The really. Valenti family <laughs> really loves everybody. Because loves it was literally Raymond. like a documentary. It's still it's still to this day. like It's like they've put cameras in our house and tracked our family. Because it's if you watch Everybody Loves Raymond, that's what you'd see at an Italian household for a Christmas or a Thanksgiving. One of the most awesome things in, about working in Vegas was the celebrity that would come out to try to be a part of or be a part of the game presentation or just be a fan. And Brad Garrett is such an awesome guy. He sent me like boxes and boxes of popcorn at holiday time. Um, you know, but 
you know, coming from the fact that you grew up watching Everybody Loves Raymond, next thing you know, Robert Barone is one of your clients and he's calling you for tickets to things and offering you tickets to his comedy club in Vegas at the end. He's also Grand. Eeyore. He's also Eeyore. So, you know, it's tied into the Disney thing. Like, it's just so cool to see who, who comes out of the woodwork to support a great cause. That guy doesn't need to buy season tickets. No. He doesn't also he need to call buy to get free tickets whenever he wants. And he also doesn't need to buy season tickets for row B's that cost thirty five thousand a year. Obviously, that's not a lot of money to a guy worth forty fifty million dollars. No. But he, he does it to support, support. community. Yeah, uh, and you network through that, and that's still a guy that I can shoot a text message off to now and. It's surreal. Um, to, to think you got my he, you got my parents' tickets, right? Yeah, they went in Jersey and they saw him. Um, he was touring with Rita Rudner for a while, uh, and you get to see. That's another part of our business that we haven't talked about yet was the the performance side of the business. You know, like how many concerts do you guys host oh even God. at a baseball park? Yeah, now? we have like twelve a year, and I've been. I, 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 how long did did Fenway Park exist without having a concert though? Oh, and now it's a the, big piece of the business. So I went to the first concert ever when I was in college was Bruce Springsteen. As it should be. It was the first ever. <laughs> it was the first ever Fenway concert. It was two thousand four, and I drove out from UMass to, to Boston because I was like, if I'm gonna, I have to go to this. And at the time, I was still a Yankee fan, um, so I had my Yankee hat on at Fenway Park. <laughs> I was getting way to go. Probably a little bit more um, attention from folks, and I probably should have been and smarter not to wear that hat. But anyway, yeah. So it, it became. It's become now a huge part of our summer where we have twelve major acts come through every year using Fenway Park. To, to host concerts and I've been the fact that we get paid to do what we do is is kind of silly um, because we've been very fortunate and, and very lucky to say that that's what we do and, and that stems from hard work yeah no it's it, like we if you didn't sell well and I didn't sell for the New Jersey Devils coming off of a lockout like you mentioned saying hey we're back remember that was the slogan NHL we're back we're back and, and then we're on the outdoor life people were like oh you're back click <laughs> see you later yeah um, I've moved on with my money and then I also I made the decision to from go NHL to minor leagues because of the opportunity was a better position and people are like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? But it's things that you have to do in this business to make sure that you're going to be successful. Um, so I think overall, if you want to reach Brian, he'll 100% respond to you on LinkedIn. What's the other yeah. way to reach you? Um, well, you can shoot me an email. Uh, it's just Brian Specia, no space, Brian Specia at usf.edu. How do you spell Specia? Uh, special with no L. There you go. S P E C I A. Uh, special with no L. Brian Speech at usf.edu. Uh, I believe in real time responses. Um, I'm not someone. You know how you have that meme where there's a person with a ton of unopened, unread things in their inbox, and then the other person is has none. I'm the person who has none. I believe in real time responses for everything. So when I have people that call me and say, "I applied for this job and I talked to this person and then I followed up and I never heard from them." Uh, you know, chances are they've saw what your, your your follow up. You know what I mean. So I believe in real time responses. Um, you know, feel free to reach out. Uh, LinkedIn, Brian Species, is probably the easiest way. We're building something very special at uh, at USF down in Tampa. Uh, we have a long, long way to go because we're in a market that has a playoff team in the Rays, a playoff team, uh, and top one of the top teams in uh, in the NHL with the Lightning and the NFL brand with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. And there's great leadership. Famous Jameis. And but their their leadership on the on the uh, business side with uh, you know Ben Milson being their CTO uh, and Dino leading their their sales team's vice president of sales. I mean they have good leadership. So that. That stadium's a lot of fun to be in. They got the big pirate ship. Pirate ship. Yeah, big pirate ship that shoots off cannons. Uh, so we have a long also way to now, go. 
Home of JPP. <laughs> it, is a, it is the home of JPP. That was the previous home of JPP. It's also now the the, the, new, the home to the XFL Tampa Bay Vipers. Yep. So that's XFL. another sport. That's another league that people should be looking at because, I mean, look, even if you're young and you're looking to break in the business and have a chance to start a franchise from the ground up, no look, better even, story to tell than even that. Even if there's a little bit of fear on the XFL that it doesn't work out with the you know the alliance not working out and the XFL previously back in the day not working out, but if you're you go 23. there and crush it, yeah. and the league doesn't work out, someone will hire you yes. if you can drive. One of the things that we talked about a long time ago is if you bring money to the table for these teams, you will always have always a have job. a job, always. always have a job, and that's what a beauty of of sales is. We have statistics for everything. There's no hiding behind them. If you bring money, if you sell, if you drive money, if you do things the right way you will always have work yeah no and i mean it's it's always going to come full circle to my snowblower incident with jpp he'll follow me forever wherever <laughs> yeah jpp is going to be on the red Sox next year all right so we got the fun <laughs> we got the good stuff out of the way what, what yeah. what's your uh, what's your favorite movie favorite movie probably casino casino yeah back in the day uh you know i love a, my affinity for las vegas probably stems partially from mm. this movie um but it's just such a good long scorsese movie i know everybody loves goodfellas as well but Goodfellas does not have Las Vegas in it. It does not. Um, but Casino, uh, you know, Joe Pesci, Jersey Boy, um, you know, one of my favorite actors, De Niro. I know he's kind of gone off the rails a little bit these days. <laughs> he's uh, old. He's definitely way more politically driven than he ever was. But this is back in the day when he was, you know, younger. And, you know, it's got great cast of characters. Um, Sharon Stone was awesome in that movie. Love Casino. Love the old school Las Vegas feel with the mobsters and having to go back to Kansas City, the mob bosses. Um, thankfully my, my large Italian family was never in a situation with, with anything like that, with organized crime, but, Not that you know of, um, maybe a long time <laughs> ago, but at the end of the day, it was a fun movie. Uh, and I'll never forget, um, you know, when Joe Pesci gets out to Vegas and, and, and Sam, who was played by De Niro is like just living in a penthouse with a beautiful Sharon Stone yeah. and Joe Pesci walks in the room and goes, Holy shit, Sam! What are you doing out here? Yeah. Like that made me want to go to Vegas and be like, I want to do this too. You know, so and you went to Vegas. Definitely lived some of that dream. Um, nothing on the bad side, but all on the the glitzy glamour side of Vegas was so much fun. Shout out to Sally Bay um, with uh, with uh, T-Mobile Arena and uh, you know really introducing me to so many people uh, out there and the connections I, I have there. I just scratch my head because. That city is all about, like, you know, who taking care of who. Oh, You're the yeah. one property on the strip that's not taking care of somebody. So those people all get it in their role. We also have a mutual friend with MGM. Yeah. Um, yeah I work. And now I, I'm, we, we, represent, we represent MGM now. So I see it we, firsthand. We have to, every time we bring out there, they get first-class treatment. It's crazy. I, I think you got first-class treatment. I did. I got to stay in the Bellagio for free. I got to go see Aerosmith for free, which was, like, 500 tickets, which is banana land. And then... They, yeah, they, they just know how to take care of people out there. Yeah. Hospitality is the number one thing that they do, and then they entertain you while they're taking care of you. It's unbelievable. And, and that's why Vegas is such a special place. That's why MGM is such a special company. Uh, it's awesome that you guys partner with them because that's two uh, – They're on the green monster. That's two behemoths of, of the entertainment and, and hospitality. And now we're building, a, we're building a concert venue together right at Fenway Park that's going to be attached to the back of the MGM Music Hall. It's, Which is awesome. Um, you know, see. So favorite food. Favorite food. Oh, man. That is a very tough one, as I really don't turn much down. Um, I have to get up at 4 in the morning to work out every morning in order to balance out my life because of my love for food. I would probably say if I had to be, a, you know, outside of mom's yeah, last kitchen. Meal. Yeah, if you're going to have last meal, what's, what's, what'd you put on the plate? My mom's pasta sauce. Okay. Uh, outside of that, if I had to pick something outside of that, it would probably go with a Jersey pizza. Oh, uh, yeah. Give me a slice. And a bagel. Where, where are we going? I don't know. Well, we have to go to a party in about an hour. So we're going to have wings and... 
We're uh, going for pizza, though. One place in Jersey, we're going for pizza. I know a lot of people in Jersey Shore would probably say Pete and Elda's. No, no. I'm not a super thin, no, thin I would never. Guy. I would never say Pete. I, would, I mean, we had Federico's all the so time growing I, up. I know. Federico's triggers, like, this memory when every time I have a piece of Federico's, it's so good. I know. And, like, it, rem- it reminds me of, like, young again. But yeah. I, I, Federico's, yeah, I think if I had to pick a place around here, it'd be Federico's. Yeah, Federico's great. Let me just tell you, anyone listening that wants to go to your shore and have Federico's, go to Federico's and eat it in the place. You don't necessarily have to order it. Yes. The slices are bigger and juicier are. there than if you and order it. And then you take it. a stroll down to Strollo's. Stroll down to Strollo's. That sounds ridiculous. Strollo's, Italian ice place. Yep. Um, right on the corner. Yeah, for and sure. And then uh, I had my – I took my – my son actually has been to Federico's, Zach, and then – we Belmar were, is still amazing for food and, and, and yes, culture. Yes, it is. It's, it's changed a lot since we were kids because there used to be an arcade down there. Belmar Playland, RIP, another yeah, RIP. Another RIP. Uh, Sandy, Sandy did a lot of damage too. She, she changed the Jersey Shore forever, um, that bitch. But no, it's – and then uh, in terms of Tampa, where's your favorite restaurant? Oh, man. And this is one of the best things about Tampa um, that I did not get in Connecticut was the culture of the city. Like there are so many – look – I'll skip restaurant and go right to dessert because that's what a lot of people like to do. Okay. But there is no city uh, in the country, maybe even the world, like Burns. Uh, the Harry Wah Dessert Room uh, is upstairs. It's a whole floor, just desserts. You gotta send him this podcast so he takes care of you. Yeah, you free promotion. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's epic. The macadamia nut sundae, and I've had desserts in New York City growing up. Um, in Vegas, some of the best restaurants. You go to like a Hell's Kitchen kind of place for Gordon mm-hmm. Ramsay. You get some of the best eats there. Uh, Burns Dessert Room is second to none. Um, they do an awesome macadamia nut Sunday. They do an awesome bananas foster. They cook right at they flambe it right at the the, the table. Uh, there's a live piano player with phones attached to your your booth. Uh, it's just an experience. Uh, I would say that's probably my best my best say. Uh, in terms of, you know, if you want, like people say, want a steak, you say Ocean Prime or Charlie's. But if somebody says, what's the best dining experience? I love Ocean you can Prime. Have? Ocean Prime in Boston. Oh my God, that place is amazing. Yeah, Ocean Prime is is just legit in general. But if you want the best experience for dining, um, so that's where we're going when I come down. Burns, yes. If you, okay. Yeah, come down. We'll go to Burns Steakhouse and then go to the dessert room, and then you'll never experience anything like it. And uh, the culture in Tampa for dining, I mean, there's so many good places. So many good places. I look forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to go have a party and say goodbye to your parents who are moving down to Florida in what, six, seven days? Yeah, like six or seven days moving Retirement, down. Retirement, big um, Al retired. They used to uh, they used to uh, come visit me when I worked for the Lightning and fell in love with the city, fell in love with the area. Obviously, being an hour and 10, 15 minutes from Disney World uh, on a consistent basis with the nice Florida weather is not a bad thing. No, you, you'll laugh at me for the next three, four months when I'm in Boston and... Can't, well, I can't snowblow anymore, so there's that. But when it's 20 below and you have 75 degrees and, and, and nice, but then I'll laugh at you when it's 110 in, in, the, in the summer and I'm that's outside. When I, that's when I'm going to come up to Boston. Yeah, that's that's the prior of the move. But so got to go say goodbye to Big Al, uh, retirement official, having the party. And it's kind of an end of an era as, we, as we're as we here in my basement. It's all come full circle. Crazy to think 15 years is we've been in this business. This crazy, we, we need crazy to have business. a big celebration at 20. Yeah, there's so no doubt years in my mind at this point. Four year, four years away. So yeah, what? So all the stuff we've accomplished. You've been to Stanley Cups. I've got two World Series rings. Been to endless amounts of concerts. Like what's left? Uh, well, the big nut for me is the the main goal I set out for myself when at the very beginning was to be an executive, at least a vice president or higher, for an NHL hockey team. 
at this point, after learning a lot, I, I'll take NHL hockey team or any of the big four. Um, I'm blessed enough to be a director uh, and learning what I need to do. But I always like to tell people that, you know, set a career goal from the very beginning. If you can see a long road that doesn't have a lot of exits uh, and you want a sports to be a career, uh, set a big goal for yourself, whether it's the top sales guy at a company annually or it's the, you know, to be a CMO or a COO. Like one of my group sales reps, Ryan Samuels, wants to be the COO of the Buccaneers one day. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell him that he can't be that. No, go get it. Go get it, man. That's what that's what it's all about. Set that big goal for yourself. My goal is to get back uh, eventually uh, once I can consider USF. You know, went to Tampa. We sold it out. Went to Vegas. We sold it out. Went to UConn. We sold out basketball. Uh, now we're at USF, and we're going to try to sell out football uh, and as much basketball as we possibly can. Uh, but it's to go back to the big four, um, get a, uh, you know, become an executive there uh, and grow from there and hopefully maybe sit in a C-level executive uh, one day. And uh, Well, when you do, all I ask is you hire me and give me less responsibility and more money. That's the that's the goal. I tell her every time I talk to Rob about this, I'm like, my goal in life at this point is to get more more money, less responsibility. Right, so you will be the highest paid Janitor. Uh, ice, I don't care. ice uh, technician Great. for a hockey team. Fantastic. You can Zamboni the ice I'm for in. six figures. Whatever, whatever, whatever it takes to have me have – one thing Tampa Bay Lightning taught me, only if it fits in the budget. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll find the budget for it. We'll have to we'll have to cut out some of the salespeople. Maybe um, you'll do some sales consulting on the side of being a nice person. Well, station. buddy, this was fun. So fun. Thank I, you so this much This is my first me. time doing this. I said I wasn't going to – everyone's asked me. People have asked me to interview them. I said I can't do it until I interview Brian. Well, I appreciate it. It makes way more sense. Guys, I had to be his friend for like 27 years. Yeah, so you, have, so you have to get to know me a little bit more before I'm willing to do this with anybody and else. And as you listen to Front Office Features, as you grow and listen to more podcasts from these guys, you will learn that the snowblower incident of 2019 yeah. is very Chris valente Yeah. It is par for the course. We'll have another. Gentlemen. We'll do it. We'll do. We'll do a part two of this when you can tell more stories about uh, these, this basement. Actually, yeah, I'd be happy to. We've be used a, it. We, this basement. Regular this, this basement came up in a best man speech with our other friend Andrew. Yeah. When we used to run, this is this is ridiculous. We used to run <laughs> extension cords out to a car to use a blender to make drinks when we were younger so my parents wouldn't wake up yeah because it was three o'clock in the morning and they wanted to make margaritas so they ran yeah. an extension cord across the street down the street to his car and then did it in the back seat yeah because we don't had to get parents. up four o'clock in the morning a big shout out to uh jim uh, mr valenti for getting up four o'clock in the morning and grinding yep. but that was why we were down the street making margaritas in the car because he was like an hour away from getting up and if we woke him up early he'd probably kill us and then <laughs> We woke up one day to my dog eating the whole pizza box, Rosie, another R.I.P. Another R.I.P. Uh, a yellow lab who ate the whole Domino's pizza box because Not she... Not the pizza. No, just the box. The box. She thought there was pizza in there, so yeah. she ate the box to get to that. But yeah, we, we could do a whole podcast on just stories of craziness growing up here in Shark River Hills and the Jersey Shore. As you can now attest in listening to us, two, the two of us talk, not everyone is like from the show. So um, anyway, subscribe. Listen, give this one five stars, share it with your friends. This was probably going to be our longest podcast ever, which I've assumed. Um, but thanks so much. Let's go party. We have to go see Star Wars before we both go home because uh, it is the end of an era. R.I.P. I remember we saw we saw the um, the prequels and came back here after one of the prequels. And we're like, when's the next one? Because we, we were still, I don't know, we were like 14, yeah, 13. We were young. 
But anyway, uh, this was a blast. Yeah, Thanks so again. Yeah, so much fun. Thanks for having me. I would love to uh, contribute again sometime. You can. Well, if you're such a good writer, you can write a guest blog. I would happily write a guest blog. Yeah, you're my, gonna have to. Blog, I can't type. I can't type right now. I have one hand, so you're gonna have to write the you blog. You need that voice diction from the. Oh phone. God, Siri. Me and big Siri. Friend. Me and Siri have Best been friends. very. We've been Best very friends. good friends for, for a while now, but. Anyway, a huge thanks too to uh, Rob Crane for uh, allowing me on the show as well. Uh, I know I had a, an easy in here, but you know, he, no, he's he's, uh, he's, this, he's so enjoying this because he gets a week off. So screw him. Um, <laughs> let's go party. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Specia's uh, Tampa Bay 2020 or bust. Later. <laughs>